Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sound of Play.
Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 83 is Liam Edwards of the Games Media Award-winning Final Games podcast. Welcome, Liam. <laughs> thank you very much, Leon. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's so weird to hear people introduce me when I'm always introducing other people. <laughs> yeah, it's a rare treat. Well, yeah, sit back and enjoy. You you have no hosting duties here. We just want you to to tell us about yourself and the music that you've picked, of course. And uh, yeah, we those people who have listened to Final Games will know that it uh, it kind of takes its influence from Desert Island Discs. And uh, it's been a big hit. Uh, you've done nearly 50 now, is that right? Yeah, coming up to 50, I think 40, 48 will be this coming yeah. week so crazy so many episodes yeah fantastic and um you've had well you've had a lot of uh, pretty high profile named guests from the from the industry a lot of journalists a lot of um broadcasters but also developers as well it's um you've yeah. done very well getting hold of some <laughs> some names i've been very lucky in that regard i will admit i think a, a, one thing that people always do comment on is the guest list of people i've had on yeah. i've been able to sort of drag people i think uh the idea itself is what entices people not so much me obviously but the, it, uh-huh. when i pitch it yeah. to people like hey you know you're going to a deserted place what eight games mm. would you take and and they're like oh well, let me really think about that and i think the idea is always a little more enticing than uh you know the a regular maybe podcast uh podcast request like do you want to come talk about games uh, i do that for a living so <laughs> which is usually yeah, yeah. their response um, but yeah, I've been very lucky in that regard and had some incredible people from like a broad spectrum of, you know, the games mm. industry from, as you said, by like broadcasters and journalists to people who develop games, people who design games, even people who are voice actors in video games as well. So it's been, it's been really yes. good and a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I find, you know, we ask people to come on here and on our other podcast and, uh, yeah, having that sort of slight change in focus uh, certainly seems to be persuasive but also you will find that um and this is this is like a tip to anyone who's thinking of starting out a podcast or 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 wanting to interview someone for for print or whatever if you ask people they'll often be quite approachable and accessible like yes. some some people some people really aren't but but a lot but a lot more people than you think really are so it's always worth asking because what's the worst they can do like i think i can only recount maybe one time someone has been kind of like no i don't want to do this um <laughs> right. this sounds like too much time that i don't have and i don't want to do it yeah and so that's yeah. one one out of like 60 emails to people who have various yeah. degrees so yeah if you want to do it just go, just go for it just try people are very personable and nice in the games industry yeah absolutely yeah and um yeah so has anyone that you've managed to get on so far has been like a real like you you just chanced your arm you you put it out there and you thought oh they'll they'll they probably won't get back to me and they certainly uh... won't come on I, I actually that's like most of my <laughs> most of my guests. So people like um, mm. uh, Per Schneider, who is uh, the one of the hosts of Nintendo Voice Chat for IGN. He's also the co-founder of IGN. So wow. IGN yeah. being you know one of the biggest video game pieces in the world. We all associate sure IGN is. with video games, and they're a huge. You know they cover comics and movies and everything now. But um, they started out as a Nintendo sixty four based website uh, back all the yeah, way right. in nineteen ninety six or whenever he started. And I just threw it. I think across Twitter, it was like, "Hey, do you fancy coming on to this?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure." 
sounds good. And then we recorded it. Um, he's a really busy guy, so it was kind of a rushed episode. Um, yeah. But I recorded it at 3 a.m. in the morning in my bathroom so as to not wake my partner. <laughs> Excellent. And, um, but yeah, that was kind of the one that struck me as like, oh my God, <laughs> this yeah. guy created IGN. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. And I was listening to the Derek Yu episode yesterday yeah. evening. Um, Spelunky's a, a, a real Kane and Rince favorite game. There's a lot of fans of it on the on our large team. And it's the so same. it's really nice to hear from him. Yeah, it's the same with Final Games. So many people have come on the show. So many other developers yeah, who have chosen Spelunky. And every time they're like... I, I kind of always ask my guests after, you know, our conversation's finished and we talk and I'm like, so as someone who works in the video games industry, are there people that you would like to hear about, yeah. um, you know, other people who make your favorite games, who you want to hear, what games inspire them? And oh my God, the amount of requests I have for Derek uh, was yeah. massive, probably the most requested person. Um, so finally, thanks to Steve Gaynor, the guy behind Gone Home right. and the Bioshock Minerva Den DLC. He uh, came on the show and we talked a lot about Derek and Spelunky. And uh, he basically, we ended up getting Derek in a conversation on Twitter. And within a week, it unfolded and had Derek on. He is a lovely guy. He really liked yeah. the idea for the show. Came on, we had a great conversation and the episode turned out great. So that was that was one of the highlights for sure. Yeah, he seemed really pleased to be there, and it was yeah, it was great to hear from him because uh, to me, I, maybe I just haven't been looking in the right places, but uh, I, I guess because Spelunky first came out like thirteen years ago, um, I sort of it, it's always been a bit of a mystery to me, like the the, the people behind it, and here who who knew he's just this really nice, friendly guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it must you know it was interesting just hearing from somebody who's like he was talking about you know that period of his life it was actually like it was so many years from when he started Spelunky to when like the final version of the you know PS4 HD version which is the one I play virtually every day still um came out it was you know it's a huge portion of someone's creative life uh, it's not like necessarily where you you know you make an album and you tour it and then it it just exists because you're you're always making versions you're you're constantly like going back and iterating and updating and and putting it in new operating systems so it's it's kind of a different creative process in that way it's not like a painting where you finish it and then it gets hung in the gallery on, or something yeah. yeah it's it it is and it's funny because talking to him on on my show we try we have the little 10 minute intro where we talk about the guest and in case you don't know who they are and you know talk about what they've done but it's kind of a i think a lot of people are at, enticed by it as well because they don't have to talk about their own games um and derek wrote a book about spelunky because he was so sick of talking about spelunky because it's <laughs> yeah. been such a long process for him and um you know many many years as you said developing it so he was like look i wrote a book about it just <laughs> just let me talk about something else and i think uh that was one of the reasons he really enjoyed coming on the show I think uh, that's a fantastic segue because I think if there's another developer who may end up doing something like that, it might be Toby Fox. Uh, having I, I sort think of so heard, too. <laughs> yeah, having heard his responses to this, the 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 absolute outpouring of of affection and uh, adulation for Undertale, um, it seems that he's a little nonplussed by it all. Uh, and and so I imagine that as the world continues to adore Undertale, um, he may want to move his creative creative energies elsewhere well it's that thing it's being an indie developer isn't it and then having a hit like notch is the same with minecraft you just as a one team 
but like member you that guy who does everything by themselves you are just solely associated with that forever there isn't a team of other people who their buck can be passed on to for either things going right or things going wrong so as an indie developer you have to take especially if it's a hit and people love it and like it's basically all admiration just for you as one person so but he seems Mm. to be quite a quiet guy yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, which is, you know, as often it makes sense. Uh, that a lot of times, these these incredible sort of auteur savant indie developers, one man teams, uh, it makes sense that they're not necessarily the 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 kind of you know most social or gregarious people because they've got all this this powerful creative energy and all these skill sets and you know you you don't just you don't just pick up all that stuff by hanging around in bars yeah <laughs> which is probably why i've got no appreciable talents um yeah so <laughs> was undertale here. a game that yeah, was undertale a game that really spoke to you then or is it just that you picked this track because i mean i should say you you were talking about the most requested games like spelunky and dark souls for, mm. for final games well for for sound of play the the undertale soundtrack is one of the most requested here by by a long way so is it is it particularly the music or was it the whole experience that spoke to you it's, it's really funny because Undertale came out as a demo and I think a lot of people were talking about the demo on Twitter and I was like oh this game sounds cool it's kind of a different RPG I played the demo I didn't really like it and um and that's because the mm. demo just kind of is a demonstration of the gameplay and that, the gameplay yeah. of Undertale for anyone who knows and has played it is kind of not the important part which is weird to say mm. about a video game mm-hmm. um I am very much as people who have listened to my show will know I'm a huge fan of Nintendo's work over the years so gameplay for me is kind of more important than story usually or experiences yeah. in general um but yeah, Undertale Undertale was something where the experience overall and uh, the the sort of stories you make for yourself and the way that Toby Fox has designed the game just like blew my mind and when I played the final version of the game after the demo just everything that came together about that game the gameplay can be a lot of fun in places and also incredibly frustrating but the music and the the choices and the story and all the secrets it was just like an experience i'd not had for a long time and i'd not had any of it spoilt for me Mm. which is an unfortunate danger in this day and age where everything gets posted or reported on instantaneously undertale was still kind of like it was getting really good scores but no one had kind of gone into it and uh, really dug out all the secrets like they have now so everything was still kind of fresh and I just went into it and I kind of felt like a kid again like I was playing like one of my old favorites for the first time and um it, it was just such a good experience and a part of that a huge huge part of it and I honestly have no idea how Toby Fox can be this creative genius was the soundtrack yeah yeah it's, it's absolutely incredible like it it feels to me like when we obviously you know you do this show about music and a lot of stuff must come up all the time like zelda mario uh, mm-hmm. mega man it's all these incredible classics over the years but like as you said one of your most requested ones is undertale and I, that just does not surprise me because mm. if you had like the term modern classic and having played so many games that i think undertale is the only one really in my mind where the soundtrack is truly like a modern classic it's excellent uh so yeah so we opened the show with megalovania and uh we've got more picks from liam coming up but f- let's hear from our community we've got one here from k sub zero one thousand and the reason i picked this out is because uh yakuza zero is uh is in people's hands and consoles at the moment and it's going down very well indeed and uh this is a request 
request from Yakuza 2, so going back 10, 11 years. K-Sub-Zero says, I recently finished Yakuza 2 and was very positively surprised by the quality of the track during the final boss fight. It reminded me a lot of Gwyn, Lord of Cinder from Dark Souls, in that it was motivating yet melancholic at the same time. So this is Hidenori Shoji with A Scattered Moment. That's from Yakuza 2. Hopefully we'll see Yakuza 2 brought forward onto modern systems. They've done the prequel game. They're remaking the first game and that leaves a lot of gaps. Uh, so for those of us who want to latterly pick up on the whole... Um, what's the Japanese name, Liam? Ryo... Ga- Ryo uh, Gaigo Toku. Which means like a dragon, Like right? a dragon or like the like the way of a dragon kind of. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of a weird pun in Japanese. Yeah. Um, yes. I, I just want to jump on that. Like, as a huge fan Please. of the Yakuza series, if you right. haven't played Yakuza, go get Yakuza Zero. It's yeah. canonologically the first game in the series. Precisely. And is excellent. 
go play it. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, I picked it up uh, recently. Um, having I bought Yakuza One on PS2 many many years ago, and only ever you know just started it as 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 we all do with so many games. Um, and you know the intention was always to go through it. Then they announced the Yakuza One and Two HD pack for PS3, but then that never came out over here. Yeah, in the UK and Europe. It came out, I think, on the Wii U as well, which is kind of that's weird. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm still hoping that, given that this the following for this game not only seems to persist, but also has been sort of somewhat reignited with the reception to Yakuza Zero. Mm. Um, hopefully, we'll get they'll they'll see it through and and sort of bring as many installments of the series to to you know current hardware as possible, so we can follow the follow the amazing crazy story all the way through. Well, it's amazing because I came into the series uh, during Yakuza 3, which is okay. there, there was a demo on the PlayStation Network. And being a poor university student at the time, I used to just download all the demos to every game that came out because it was kind of the way I could play games without spending yeah. money. Um, yeah. And I play, I downloaded the demo for Yakuza 3. I've always been someone who's kind of uh, interested in Japanese culture. And I thought, hey, this will be fun. It kind of reminds me a bit of Shenmue at the time. Uh, it's yeah. way different to Shenmue. I know it looks kind of similar, but it isn't. Yeah, um, yeah. I played it and I was like, right, I have to buy this game when it comes out. Bought it, loved it. And I've played every game since. And um, it's such a great series. You're thoroughly invested. Have you even played the the sort of feudal Japanese and zombie spin-offs though? I have. Uh, the I haven't. Well, wow. I, I haven't played the zombie one because I heard it was terrible. Um, yes, and it I kind of looked too. a little. Um, but the Ishin, which is the feudal Japan one, mm. it was one of the first PS4 games that came out. Um, so when I first arrived in Japan, I, I instantly bought it. And uh, at the time, my Japanese was abysmal, so I had no idea what was going on, but I loved it, and the combat was awesome. It was really, really good. Um, and it had, like, the switching style that you see in Yakuza 0 now, but it wasn't right. in the Yakuza games um, back then. So it was kind of the first time we saw the switching style uh, combat, but it was a lot of fun, and um, it's a shame that we, we will probably never see it localized. Switching style is is in vogue these days. I've just started playing the first Witcher game for our other podcast, Kane and Rince. Then there's uh, Neo, which has switching styles as well, and um, and Yakuza as well. It's mm. uh, it's, the, it's the in thing. It's uh, it's this year's um, dog companion, or something like that. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, you say uh, you you ended up in Japan. So previously, I understand you were working QA at Rockstar for GTA. I was indeed. Um, before I left for Japan, I'd kind of. I had always wanted to work in video games, but I spent a lot of my time. I went to university to study computer science in hopes that I could like program and do stuff, but I found that I didn't really like it. Um, but mm. I started writing about video games instead, and I really enjoyed writing reviews and talking about video games. What I really like the most is talking about video games. I get erratically yeah. passionate um, to the point where I must annoy the heck out of some of my friends. So I decided to write about video games, and um, you know, I interned at GameSpot back in the day, and I I used oh, to yeah. do some freelance work and I wrote for a few websites. Um, but then I was kind of looking for a job and I didn't want to do anything other than video games. So a friend of mine worked at Rockstar and he was like, hey, we're looking for people to come QA. So I was like, okay, sweet. I'll apply. Oh my God, this is going to be amazing. Um, spent six months in the application process, which was the longest six months ever. And yeah, I've heard found, about out, that. found out I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get the job initially. Oh, no. um, oh. So I found another job, moved across the country to Cardiff <laughs> to work as a web designer. I was there for one month 
I paid like six months rent up front to secure this really nice apartment and uh, just set myself like, here we go. Here's my life now. I'm going to be in Cardiff forever. Uh, and um, like a month later, uh, Lee, who was the HR manager at Rockstar then, he emailed me and he was like, hey, uh, we want you to come at Rockstar. Uh, I know we said we'd keep your name on file and I bet you didn't believe yeah. us. Well, we actually yeah. do do that here and um, right. we'd like you to come. So I literally dropped everything in Cardiff. I was like, sorry, uh, basically, I don't want to do this. I would rather work on GTA. <laughs> and so I just left yep, and, I went and I worked at Rockstar. Um, I worked at Rockstar for almost four years, solidly on GTA 5 and a few other projects. Um, but yeah, I spent the majority of my 20s <laughs> playing GTA. Yeah. Yeah, and that turned out okay. Uh, it's uh, it's a shame you're not on a percentage deal as a QA tester, I guess. But um, well, that would be pretty sweet, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, you have something in common with uh, our editor Jay, who is uh, is kind of my absolute key right hand man on the whole Kane and Rince uh, project. Here, mm. he he uh, he does a lot of editing. He does website stuff, creative uh, art stuff. Um, his uh, his wife, Kai, she works now at Lincoln Rockstar. Uh, oh wow! On the okay. localization. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, that is the office I used to work in. That is there you go. That is my office. Yeah, she world. she will know then some of my yep. friends. <laughs> she will almost certainly. Yeah, that is yeah. really uh, strange. <laughs> check her out on. She's a uh, like a mutnik on uh, Twitter. You can find her through us. She's uh, she used to be. She's had a very interesting life, but uh, she used to be in the Go Team, the uh, the popular uh, oh, music combo. I've met her. I oh, okay. met her. She started working at Rockstar maybe six months before I left. A couple of years. There back. you go. Then um, small I, world after I was, all. I was absolutely <laughs> fascinated because I used to listen to that band. Yeah. Um, Great band. And yeah, exactly. And and no, it's, uh, funnily enough, it seemed no one at Rockstar Lincoln had any idea who they were. And I was like, oh, guys, guys, right. are you crazy? She was like the drummer. <laughs> like, like, Absolutely right. Yeah, um, that's so Kai. I so, have yeah. met. I have met her. Um, which Very is, cool. Oh my god, this is a really strange and small world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now I'm in the one in Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're in Japan. She's in Lincoln. Yeah, and Jay's editing this podcast. So, yeah, He's listening strange. now. Like, what is what is my life? What what's happened? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, classic video games. Then something uh, very much our wheelhouse here at Kane uh, hey, yeah, I, I apologise for this one, but I had to include it. <laughs> Not at all. So we covered Super Mario World and its uh, sort of sequel, Yoshi's Island. It was dubbed a sequel over here, but it wasn't really in Japan. But anyway, Super Mario World, Super Mario Brothers Four. We covered way back in Kane and Rince podcast issue one hundred and thirteen. Uh, we're now on two hundred and sixty, nearly. So that's a while ago. Uh, yeah, no apology needed i for me super mario world is still the apex of the 2d platformer um and uh including its own successors and other you know pretenders to the crown like super meat boy and whatever else um, yeah super mario world is is an all-timer and uh, i'm one i'm very very proud to have properly completed found all 96 exits and uh, wow and, excellent and, and heard this tune that you've selected for us so why why the ending theme of super mario world liam uh, this is possibly my favorite piece of music in all of video games. Wow. Um, okay. It's, it's that nostalgia association. Um, mm, mm. when the Super Nintendo came out and, um, I was a little too young, uh, 
I, I was playing it at a friend's house, Bless but I didn't, I didn't quite <laughs> understand it. <laughs> um, no, right. It wasn't until the Nintendo 64 when I truly got into video games and I started completing games like Ocarina of Time, uh, Super Mario 64, uh, you know, those games, those hardcore N64 games. Um, and that's when I thought, oh, I know about Mario and I, I've played it. But I, back then when I was like three and four years old, I didn't quite understand it. I'll go back and I'll play it. So I went back and I played it and I was I had like a Super Nintendo next to my Nintendo 64 when I was a six year old kid. And I would go back and forth between playing the two of them. And um, the music to Super Mario World all around, because it was pretty much one of the only Super Nintendo games I owned. Um, just I, I, I loved it. I absolutely just obsessed with it. I would hum it while I was in school. I would just turn it on just to listen to the music, just to listen to like the map music and everything. And I remember when I finished the game, it, it took me ages. It literally took me ages. I think I was stuck like finding the secret uh, in the forest to get to the next Bowser castle. Um, yeah. And I was oh, six at the time. There's no such thing as the internet really. Uh, so I spent ages trying to find out how the hell I did it, asking friends. And I finally managed to figure it out. And I remember finishing the game and this music played and it was like the most like exciting and like satisfying yeah. moment. And, but it's just, it's just beautiful. And every time I listen to it, it's like, it, it almost like encapsulates all of video games in my head because yeah, I've right. played so many games and over the years and my life, video games are a big part of my life and I, what I do and, just I feel like that was kind of like the starting point. Like that's when I fell in love with video games and knew like they were for me. That's that's what I want to do. So every time I like every time I either get like sort of melancholic or kind of a little sad, maybe I like stick mm. on the ending theme to uh, Super Mario World and the just the pleasing picture of all the characters like chilling out together with a big thank you for playing sign um, and just listen to this. And uh, I love it. Every time someone picks uh Super Mario World on Final Games. Uh, I I usually change the music up when people uh, choose the same game. So like we've had Dark Souls a lot, we've had The Witcher a lot. So I'll I'll take different pieces of music from those games so it doesn't sound repetitive. Yeah. But it's my little secret that every time Super Mario World uh, is chosen on Final Games, <laughs> I play the ending theme <laughs> for my own pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. 
so yes, thank you for playing the ending theme by the uh, amazing Koji Kondo, of course. Uh, yeah, so I was I was twenty one when uh, when I got my Super Nintendo and uh, and played Super Mario <laughs> World for the first time. You are far more experienced than, you, than I, Leon. You are far more experienced. Uh, <laughs> I've played I've I've played a lot of games. Um, yeah, I've uh, uh, yeah, it was it was it was the right age really to play Super Mario World because I had uh, you know I had a job by that point, but I but I had the the time I had the young person's uh, hand-eye coordination and vision and dexterity so I was able to unlock the star road and uh, and do all those gnarly levels uh, that, that were all called things like gnarly and tubular and uh, <laughs> dude and uh, well they were in the western western localization anyway and um, yeah I still you know th- those are levels you you still occasionally um, from the less enlightened you hear people sort of criticize Nintendo games for being you know kiddish and therefore the assumption is they are easy uh, but I would always give them those uh, super secret stages from Super Mario World yeah. to beat and say <laughs> yeah okay so you've done Dark Souls but you've never done this so here you go <laughs> talking of Dark Souls a game that has been likened to it and does share some mechanics although I am informed by those more in the know than I I've only played the first couple of hours of Neo uh, some, some friends on the team and in the Kane and Rince community tell me that the more you play Neo, the less like a Souls game it becomes, uh, which which I find fascinating. Um, it seems to not only... Obviously, it's Team Ninja, Tecmo, Kawai, so it becomes uh, perhaps more Ninja Gaiden-esque. Yeah. Uh, but it... Um, initially, it feels... It, it really does feel incredibly... Dark Souls like you know there's there's so many of the mechanics and the actual feel of uh controlling the character and the way the the levels are laid out and all this sort of stuff so I'm interested um what happens as you go further in the game I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will be a lot further into it than I um and uh, we've had a request from one of the pieces from the game from Tadinho regular correspondent who says I think I found my favorite theme in Neo today you hear the track a few times before but it's during the boss fight that it kicks in full gear the track is at the same time intense and gentle which is very appropriate and this is uh, forgive my pronunciation okatsu i think you would not stress the u on the end of the but my japanese is not great all cuts i think would so not even the u all cuts japanese tends to uh mess around with the uh suit or uh, suit like they have lots of words where they just they drop the u and it's pretty much the only thing they drop (laughs) it's a it's like a linking uh it's like a linking sound in in when it's in the middle of words this is the thing i've been trying to do because um i I hear a lot of you know mangled pronunciations and i'm sure we've done it ourselves many times but i always like to try at least especially with kai being you know a friend of the show and everything to, yeah. to not completely destroy so or cat's theme by Hugo Cano.
So Liam, have you dabbled with Neo yet? Oh, here we go. Here's my guilty uh, as charged. I actually haven't. And um, it's it's weird because this is like the game that's right up my alley. Like it's yeah, like Dark Souls that, yeah. in, in a sense that it's challenging and it has very similar combat. I played the beta and the alpha and I really loved it. And uh, it's Japanese inspired and it has like yokai, mm-hmm. which is uh, something I've read a lot about. And yeah. It's it's really really like something I I'm so happy to see it get good scores like that is the kind of game that I want to really be successful well. and it's sold over a million yeah. copies I've heard and it, it's really nice but I have a Switch pre-ordered and Zelda and I just feel like <laughs> it, was, it was too close it was too close to Zelda yeah. for me to spend the money and also the time because Neo is a huge game I've heard it's yeah, huge it's like 80 plus hours a lot of my friends are playing it so um, for right now it's fine it'll still be there man it's, that's, it's, that's it's, the there's, thing there's, like, no, but, there's no panic but every time I go into my local shop like I yeah. frequent my shop and I, it's staring me in the face and I, uh, alongside Nia Automata as well because that's another game I'm really interested in playing. Oh yeah, of course. And yeah. uh, they both came out too yeah. cl- too close to Zelda so I'm uh, I'm like ah everyone's talking about it and I don't want it to be spoiled or anything so um yeah. for right now I haven't touched it but I have played the beta and the alpha and I know how it plays. Um obviously not the final build but uh, I really enjoyed what I played. I really liked it. Um so I'm really interested also the story of William Adams um I mm. don't know if anyone's heard uh, so the guy the main guy in Neo is based off this guy called William Adams That's who right. yeah. was a real life uh Englishman or I think he was Irish or English um but he he ended up getting shipwrecked in Japan uh and uh, ended up going to meet the emperor of Japan. <laughs> That's just what happens when you're you you're a gaijin <laughs> in Japan. Yeah. Um, but he became friends with him, learned Japanese really quick, and he was then honored by being the first ever uh, Western samurai. Essentially, he was an official general in the emperor's army and helped him build ships and stuff. And it's a fascinating story. So uh, the premise is it the same story that they based the not very authentic uh, Tom Cruise movie on. Uh, I think there are loose title? there are loose things yeah. about it, but uh, I think William Adams was I think three hundred years before the last samurai is meant to take place. That yeah, was more right, like the okay. revolutionary Americans in Japan working together type thing. Um, but the premise for it with Neo, it's a little more you know supernatural and stuff. But yes. the actual story it's, it's based on is still actually more really cool. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah it is and, and all so, that. So I'm excited to play it eventually. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll get a lot out of it. Yeah, as I say, I've only played the first couple of hours, but um, it. Uh, yeah, I, I was. I was very much enjoying it. Atmosphere up the wazoo and all that. Mm. Yeah. Um, so Liam, that day that you went around a Sainsbury store in Salford, sticking ban halal stickers on a uh, on in chilled <laughs> chilled goods. What, what, this... what were you actually thinking of? So. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for anyone who doesn't know, if you Google Liam Edwards, like this is pretty much the only thing that comes up. And, um, Not anymore. Your GMA award comes up as well. That's the thing. Say. So the more the show got a little bigger, and the more people listened to my name was associated with Final Games, I became I be, the the wonderful world of SEO worked in my favor. So when you Google Liam Edwards, um, there are obviously not that many Liam Edwardses in the world. I don't think, but I'm now lucky enough to be one of the top results that come up. But also alongside that is some really messed up Daily Mail story about some racist right. dude who was sticking what Dan Halal or something 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's claiming he's an, uh, an animal rights activist because he doesn't like the uh, the halal methods, but. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna invoke my own prejudices here, but the, looking at the pictures of him, he doesn't have the vibe of a of a of an animal rights activist about him. He he more has the vibe of somebody who would stick ban halal stickers on meat. Because so yeah, I'm so I'm sorry, but it, I, I had to mention it. So, you know, I'm like mm, Edwards, Some okay, well, I need to find out before. what he's done. It's funny. Yeah, <laughs> people would be like, "Oh my god, is this you?" I'm like, "No, have you seen the picture? We look nothing alike." <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I didn't anticipate for a moment it was you. But uh, well, no, maybe for maybe for three seconds, I thought, oh, what if it is? Uh, that would be an interesting show coming up. But uh, no, he's luckily, fled to tur- Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turns out uh, you and I are more kindred spirits than that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Another series that I'm also very fond of uh, uh, is is intelligence. Basically, anything intelligence systems does is is all right by me. Uh, Pretty much, but um, but the Fire Emblem series, I have a lot of affection for. Um, I haven't finished lots of games in the series. I've started more than I've finished. I'll be honest. Um, and Fates is uh, is this bizarre and confusing three part uh, sort of three in one game that uh, that I do own all three bits of, and I'm saving for a very very rainy um, like decade. Uh, and uh, yeah, so you've picked a particular track. From Fire Emblem Fates, the uh, the turn-based strategy game for 3DS. So uh, yeah, so tell us as, more about that. Well, essentially, when you told me, uh, when you asked me very graciously if I wanted to come on, and we had a little discussion about the choices, and obviously, uh, video game music is so extensively covered, and we have all the Mario's, and we have all the Zelda's, and we have all the the famous tracks over the years. So we obviously have to get a little specialized, um, but. It's difficult for me to think of music kind of from older games because there's still stuff that's really fresh in my mind. And uh, I think anyone listening will realize that uh, my list is pretty uh, recent, um, apart from obviously Mario. Um, and But one of my favorite games in recent times, and actually uh, one of the upcoming episodes of Final Games is a one-year anniversary special, which is uh, uh, all about my eight games, uh, which is something that's been requested a lot. So... Definitely, I, yeah. I actually chose this game, Fire Emblem Fates, um, because good choice. I adore, yes. I absolutely adore Fire Emblem. As you said, anything Intelligent Systems creates, I they are just literally one of the best developers out there, Amazing. hands down. They make some fantastic games of their own. They handle Nintendo IPs very well. Um, and Fire Emblem Fates is a great example of that. Three games in one, all different, mm. all incredibly interesting great stories great music as well and um fire emblem you play for a long time 50 60 hours plus you replay it again and especially in fates where you have essentially like 150 hours of gameplay right off the bat if you only played it once um so the music gets replayed a lot but they have a heck of a lot of variations on their tracks and in Fire Emblem Fates, there is a character called, in English, she's called Azra, uh, which is weird because in Japanese, she's called Aqua, which is an English word. And hmm. then we we use a Japanese name to describe her. But oh, she's right. one of the main characters. Uh, basically, she's kind of like the female version of your character. You're both kind of adopted family it, It's a little weird. But um, she's very prominent throughout the game. And she has uh, a song. Uh, and it's called Lost in Thoughts All Alone. Uh, also titled Azra's theme <laughs> very, mm-hmm. very aptly. Um, but she sings in it and it's really beautiful. And 
it got stuck in my head for so long. Just the do 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 do, and now I I just associate it with Fire Emblem, uh, and I love listening to it. And um, what's really cool about this track itself is because we had the Japanese version and the English version um, where the character sings, we have mm. lots of variations of the Japanese version where the Japanese voice actor for Aqua sings and it's really beautiful. And then we have the English mm. one as well, which is the one we've listened to which I think is just as good. And there are lots of wonderful variations of that. Like when it gets a bit fierce in battle or when you get towards the last few bosses, it changes and becomes a little darker in tone. And, um, but it's just, I really, really like it. And um, it, it reminds me of my experiences with Fire Emblem Fates and just how much I enjoy that game.
are. Can't wait to get stuck into that some someday. <laughs> it's uh, a big task. It's a big task. Yeah, absolutely. But as I said to you about Neo, you know, it, it it's still there. And and also the the thing about the Fire Emblem games is, uh, although their presentation has kind of got a bit more lavish over the years, at at their core, in their essence, they're very simplistic, top down yeah. uh, games where the, the it's essentially like you know fantasy chess. And, it, it, and it, it is. It is all based around the weapon triangle. Um, it's yeah. it's weird because it's very simplistic. It's essentially rock paper scissors. It's a fleshed out a game of rock paper scissors. Um, but there are heaps of strategy on top of that, based on weapons oh, yeah. or partners or pairing up characters and stuff like that. Um, so you can go into it and do the minimal if you like. Um, you can turn the permadeath off and you can reset your saves and do whatever you like. Um, but then there is like this really extensive strategy game on top of it that I, I just, I can't get enough of. And I love it. My first Fire Emblem was the first one that got localized into English, which was the the GBA, the first GBA game from in about 2003. Yeah. So that was um, after Smash Brothers Melee yeah. that had Roy uh, yes. in it. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So, uh, and that is available as is uh, the the first follow up to that. They're both available on Wii U Virtual Console. Um, yeah. Not, you know, n- that's not that useful to everyone because <laughs> Wii U hasn't got that many uh, that much of an install base. But our <laughs> listeners, if anyone's going to have Wii U's, it's, it's it's our listener base. Um, so yeah, I still recommend checking those out. There's also the DS game you can play on Wii U Virtual Console too. Um, Shadow Dragon, Dragon, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the ones that where they had the whole DS. Uh, subtitle thing going on but the ones that i really regret having owned but not no longer owning are the uh the gamecube and wii um, installments in the series the wii ones especially because i worked in game for a short time and um, they always used to sit in the wii section no one touched the wii section Mm. and path of radiance (laughs) was there the whole time and it was like 10 pounds or something stupid and um I'd never picked it up. I don't know why. Because I actually did like, I did like Fire Emblem then. And exactly. Now it's like gold dust. Can't get a hold of it. It's like super expensive on eBay. So I should have goddamn picked yeah. it up. I picked up Xenoblade Chronicles, which I thought was a smart idea, but I never picked up Path of Radiance. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, there's a GameCube, an earlier GameCube one as well, which I can't remember the subtitle of, but yeah, it would, uh, it would be a lovely thing to have in the collection now. <gasps> ah. So many regrets, but yes. <laughs> a complete change of tack now from uh, uh, our community. Next request is from Jacob G42. <clears throat> I do not know the significance of the number in this case. Perhaps it's the meaning of life. Uh, or perhaps he's a big level 42 fan. Bit of jazz funk. I don't know. Anyway, Jacob says, I feel like talking about Hotline Miami in context of video game music is almost cliche, but I also feel like the second one is weirdly neglected. Maybe it's because the gameplay walks on the wrong edge of unfair, or maybe it's just because it's virtually impossible to visually distinguish them with a glance. However, I think it deserves more than a fair shake for its ambitious narrative, interesting and disturbing new characters to play, and holy hell, that music. Although the first one has an arguably more pure soundtrack, two delivers an insane variety of tracks, sometimes surprisingly quiet and full of pathos, other times as pulse-pounding, body-shaking as they come. The track I've picked is definitely from the latter category. The song plays in a nightclub, which is appropriate because this track leans far more into dubstep than many of the earlier synthy pieces. She Swallowed Burning Coals Gets Under My Skin and Into My Brain like few other songs have from this game or otherwise.
she swallowed burning coals by El Tigre, I think, uh, from Hotline Miami 2, wrong number. Uh, we covered Hotline Miami back on the Cane and Rinse podcast in issue 150. We have yet to tackle the sequel. Uh, I know there are some people who feel it was a massive disappointment. There are others who uh, got very much into it and feel it was a worthy successor. So maybe someday it's on our very, 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 very long list of thousands of games that we'd love to cover if we're around <laughs> long enough. Uh, now, uh, also from uh, the stable of games, that uh, this is from the stable of games we're going to be covering on the podcast later this year. Our Bayonetta 2 podcast is coming up in issue 290, which I guess will be autumn-ish or something like that in 2017 on the main Cane and Rinse podcast. We've got a very cool uh, guest lined up, but I can't say any more than that. Bayonetta 2. Uh, so uh, I was a huge, huge fan of the original Bayonetta uh, and I've been saving Bayonetta 2 for when we cover it on the podcast. So that is one that I have literally saved for such a time when I know I'll be able to devote my time to it and play it. So worthy successor for you? Yes, absolutely. 100%. A huge fan of the original. Um, it was one of my favorite ac action games ever. It, mm. I think for a period of time, it was probably my favorite game. Um, I yeah, played to so death. Yeah. And um, I was so excited for Bayonetta 2. Obviously, Nintendo were handling it as well. They were helping out and they were publishing it for the Wii U. Uh, another great reason to own a Wii U, in my opinion. Um, and I just couldn't wait. And I remember when the trailer came out, and uh, I think it was like a week before there was a trailer that came out with this song um, that we're going to hear. And I, it just got me so pumped. And when the game came out, playing the game, it was just good, just more Bayonetta, which is exactly what I wanted. I don't think it was better than the original, but it had all the Nintendo costumes you can have and all the new weapons and uh, Bayonetta being as hilarious as always and ass kicking. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. And I think because you haven't played it yet, I think you're, <laughs> you, you're going to have a good time, a real good time. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, I know that, and this is something we'll talk about in our usual in-depth way on, on the other podcast when we cover it, that I know that some of the real, the hardest core of the hardcore action game players say that Bayonetta 2 was a, was a bit of a step backwards in terms of like the absolute sort of precision of the mechanics. But for those of us who play these games to a very moderate level, um, I think it's probably, un, it's the, those differences are probably less appreciable than for somebody who is a complete, you know, ninja doyen at well, the at the I sort think of high action games. I think some people probably confuse skill or uh, I don't know challenge with the way the gameplay was designed. I think it was it, it was exactly the same, but the way you use the combat, uh, Bayonetta two kind of reuses enemies a lot more than the original Bayonetta did, and that okay. especially reuse. I don't want to spoil too much because you're going to play it, sure. but it mm -hmm. reuses bosses a lot which means you don't ever really progress progressively get better or feel yourself getting better. Um, mm. So maybe that's why people found it a little more different to the original Bayonetta, whereas where that was like chucking different boss after different boss at you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. I know that the thing that people always say when, when they talk about it is the, the Umbra Witch battles are, are astonishing, so... Yes. Uh, very much looking forward to that. And yeah, I also adored the soundtrack of the original game, both the, the cheesy stuff and the epic stuff. Uh, so yeah, really looking forward to hearing more music. And let's hear some now from Masami Ueda and Tomorrow is Mine. Tomorrow is mine. You awoke me, unleashed the fire in my heart. 
2014. Can you believe it? Bayonetta 2 is I know, already time is knocking three by. years old. Time, time yes, is, really is. F- flying by. Like I think of Splatoon as well. That's uh, that's almost two years old. <laughs> It'll be two years old know, in May. Right? It's like, what? <laughs> what the, yeah. Where has time gone? <laughs> yeah, and the terrifying thing, and this is my, my middle-aged man thing to say to a young whippersnapper like yourself, is it just keeps accelerating <laughs> as well. The, the, the speed that time goes past in because each moment is less of a... Is less of a, a, a percentage of all that your life has gone before life just goes faster and faster and faster i'm facing i'm coming gone. up to well i'm, tw- I'm 26 <laughs> now and I, I i'm staring 30 in the face and i feel it i can <laughs> every day i can feel it inching uh-huh. towards me like it's gonna fall on me um <laughs> that is no problem it's it's it, things don't start to fall apart for a bit longer uh yeah when i was I, I, when i turned 30 i just recently got the GameCube and original Xbox. So it was good, good gaming times. PS2 was in its pomp. 
uh, yeah, it was a, that was a, that was a good period. So it'll be interesting for you to see what's uh, what's happening in the world of yeah platforms and games. VR, everyone gets games injected no. into their blood, and, <laughs> and no. technology's gone crazy. We'll still be using controllers. <laughs> how... Oh, I hope the, so. I hope the so. The odd touch screen, two D screens. Yeah, there's. Uh, the core, the core is is well. This is a whole, this is a whole other conversation. But yes. uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm, 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 I tend to be a bit sceptical about um, sort of add-ons and and things. There's, there's, there's never been a truly successful, expensive add-on for a console, and that's that's the thing that keeps coming back to me when I think about VR. But, um, but that said, as as Jay will be screaming into this uh, microphone now, as he's a big, he's a big advocate of. VR, uh, VR. Um, a lot of very big companies are putting a lot of money into making VR a success. So, um, and I have to say that you know, it normally it takes one thing, like one thing that the Kinect never got was like a killer app, that a game that made me think I have to have that piece of hardware. I did end up with a Kinect because I bought an Xbox One at launch, but I never used it. And there was never a game which made me think, well, that, you know, like someone like Hideo Kojima would have come up with some kind of gimmick for Kinect or some kind of in-game reason for it to be a great thing. Whereas and VR hasn't really had that until perhaps for me, Resident Evil 7, when everyone's saying, oh my God, playing this in VR is like a transformative, revelatory experience. And so that is actually making me think, maybe I could get something out of VR after all. How about you? Where do you sit on the on the VR I'm, fence? I'm always interested in new tech. Like I bought a Kinect where, in a bundle for the Xbox 360 originally, and I really wanted to... I'm always interested in new technology. The sure, PlayStation sure. Move as well. My housemate in university at the time got that, and I actually was more impressed by the the PlayStation Move than I was ever by the Kinect. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The, the bundle you could get with it, like one of the only PlayStation Move games was a game called Sports Champions, and it mm-hmm. had stuff like uh, sword fighting, and like the the best one was a, like disc golf you know where you throw like yeah. a frisbee at holes and stuff and it just it worked like one to one so well and mm. i was really impressed by it and i'm always impressed by stuff like that but the same with vr the first time i tried vr was surprisingly was the oculus rift prototype um like the original one of the original kickstarter ones yeah uh, sure. and it was it was like a in half life too like my friend had it so you could walk around as freeman and look right. at stuff and i remember just like everything was to scale. So I was like looking at trains and they were like, if I was looking at trains in real life, they were like, they, the sense of scale felt correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that blew me away. That must be away. quite something. It yeah. blew me away. Yeah. And, um, but it's that thing, isn't it? I just, I can't, I can't see myself playing a game like I do traditionally. Um, yeah. For a long time. I like it. I like it experiencing the technology, but I never ever think it's going to be like, this is how it's going to be from now on. I just don't think yeah. anyone wants that. Everyone will want to use controllers and play on their nice, beautiful TVs that don't have any blurring and stuff like that. So mm. I think mm. they're nice to have, and I, I'm always interested in trying them. Um, I don't pass them over like, oh, uh, <laughs> in that kind no, of way. No, no, no. Some, some people are just like, oh, I'm not going to try that. Just give me a controller. <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm always interested, but I, I've yet to see anything that will be the way forward like the stuff uh, everyone's gonna harp on me at having nintendo's back all the time and obviously nintendo have their problems as we have seen but like with the switch the Mm. idea of having the traditional 
way of playing, you know, using a controller on a screen, something we all do, something we all know how to do, but being able to have that kind of console experience, like on the bus or like while I'm like at the doctor's waiting for something or being able to Mm. play Zelda, like that feels like the revolutionary step that I want. That's that's the one that's more going to benefit me going forward. Like the idea of playing like Bayonetta 2, like a game like Bayonetta 2, wherever I want, like that is more mm. revolutionary to me. Um, but obviously Nintendo have to have the games to back it up. So uh, we don't know whether the Switch will be as worth it as I hope it Controllers will be. Controllers that don't desync, you know. Yeah, that, kind of that problem too. Um, but <laughs> but that's how I feel. Like VR is great. It'd be a great experience, but it's not something I'm going to spend 20 hours playing an RPG on or, you know, getting every exit or star as in Mario. But the idea of playing Zelda at home and then I have to go get the bus to Tokyo or something, like being able to sit on the bus yep. for six hours and play Zelda carrying on, like that is, that's like revolutionary to me. Safer in Japan as well, where there's uh, where there's no street crime. I'm not sure I'd want to just put yeah, my Switch I'm, screen on a on a, on a, on a London train. So. Yeah, I'm very spoiled <laughs> in that regard. I could literally go and leave my Switch out all day on the pavement, and it would make it safely back to me. Japan is that yeah. wonderful. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, it's, it's very it's, lucky. It's a different different world in that regard, isn't it? Yes, which is sometimes why Nintendo have things like their Street Pass and stuff because they uh, they suffer from the problem they can't think outside of Japan. They can't think outside of mm. their box a little too much. So stuff like Street Pass works incredible here. But, you know, realistically, when you're walking around in England, maybe you'll get lucky if you were in London, but you're not going to get any Street Passes Brighton's anywhere right. else. As a Brightonian, oh. I can tell you that being a, uh, a very uh, hipster, new tech kind of town, Brighton, Brighton works quite well for Street Passes, actually. But uh, oh, That's good. That's yeah. good to hear. I've finished my puzzle piece collection now, so that's uh, that's that's probably consigned to the past anyway. But um, I imagine uh, the hugest announcement that Nintendo could make in terms of Japanese and Switch would be Monster Hunter. That would be... Uh, if you had Monster Hunter on the Switch, um, that's it. Switch would be the biggest selling console in Japan. <laughs> yep. There are, there yeah. are a few games in that Japan happens. that... That 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 the, one of the reasons the 3ds is so successful is is because of that. Um, but there are a few games Absolutely. in Japan, Dragon Quest and Monster Hunter. If you get those on your console, you're always going to do well. Absolutely. Uh, talking of uh, Zelda, as we were, and indeed uh, the Switch, we've got a request here which feels appropriate. This podcast will be coming out on the first of March, on the Wednesday, and on Friday, the third of March. It's a big day. It's my mum's birthday, but also it's the launch of... <laughs> Happy birthday. The, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I don't think she listened. Um, <laughs> she thinks she'd be hugely Typical confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, Switch Day. Uh, I'm, I'm not getting one at launch, but, uh, but for a lot of people listening to this, it will be a very exciting day. And for many of them... Many of you who aren't getting a Switch, you might be getting the Wii U version of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So I decided, why not feature this request from Sean S. Thomas, who says, I, for one, am more excited by the new Zelda after the last E3 because of the amazing music and effects in the trailer than the actual gameplay. The final minute of this trailer indicates that this could well be the best Zelda score yet. Well, I don't know that if that's the case because the, often the, the trailer music is 
scored entirely separately. But I think it's safe to say the the impressions are starting to come out of Breath of the Wild. There, there's been one printed review, the Edge 10, although yep. I caveat that with a lot of people didn't love Skyward Sword and that got an Edge 10. So, <laughs> be you know, caution and advised. I loved Skyward Sword personally. I only just played it for the first time, uh, which you can hear on our podcast. Uh, that was number, he looked it up quickly again. Oh, that's the one that just came out. So issue 257 of the Cane and Rinse podcast podcast out uh, last Sunday as as you're listening to this uh, we talk all about our Skyward Sword experiences the last big console Zelda in anticipation of Breath of the Wild it's almost like we time these things deliberately uh, <laughs> enjoy the official game trailer by we don't know who composed it wake up Link Breath of the Wild excitement ensues. So pleased to see that getting the reviews. I think everybody wanted it to get. Yes. And, uh, yeah. That it would have been it would have been a crushing shame if it had been that they'd they'd misjudged it horribly. I think there were some concerns, weren't there, that if they went too far down the taking influences from other franchises, it's, whether it be Witcher or Dark Souls, it would lose its Zelda-ness? It's, all, it's always that thing that always happens. Like, everyone, I think, worries about Nintendo. And Nintendo don't tell you anything and they don't let on. And, you know, they... Uh, a lot of what, like, Miyamoto-san and, like, Aonuma-san say is kind of hyperbole sometimes. And they can waffle on a little bit about game mechanics and the philosophy of game design without actually, like, getting to the actual things that we want answered. Like, what are we going to be doing in this other game? How do we progress yeah. in the main quest? You know, and they're kind of like, oh, I do, well, we designed the quest system around the idea of, like, you're sitting on a spring lake and you you can do anything you want <laughs> like that kind of hyperbole they go on about a lot which is sometimes really nice and inspiring but sometimes you just want to know what the game is going to be about so yeah. i understand yeah. some people's concerns sometimes but it's always that thing and <laughs> a lot of people say it better than i do but just don't bet against nintendo <laughs> they always pull it out of the bag somehow especially with their games say what you like about the hardware but the games you know they always somehow do it. And some people have their problems with Skyward Sword and stuff like that. But, you know, you yourself, you you, you loved it. And um, I think that's a testament to Nintendo in a sense. I think they lost their way a little bit with Zelda. 
um, mm-hmm. which is surprising. But I think it's because they realized they had a, a winning formula for a long time. Didn't want to change that. Uh, after Skyward Sword, there was a, maybe a bit more of a mixed bag of reception um, compared Definitely. to their yeah. usual Zelda love that everyone unconditionally has. So this time they went back to the drawing board and it seems that they've made a, just a completely different game that everyone was expecting. And it harks back a little more to, you know, the uh, I, I quote what everyone says, back to the roots of the series. And yeah. um I'm so happy to see because no one wants a bad game. Like, why would you want a bad game? Why would you want a game to be bad? Everyone wants a game to be good so we can have fun and we can play it. So, completely agree with you. Unfortunately, there do seem to be a vocal <laughs> section of people out there who seem to love nothing more than uh, than games coming out and being terrible. But yeah, like uh, I saw but, some, uh, I saw some weird stuff today. Like someone was someone was complaining at like someone who writes about video games on Twitter, of course, about. Like, why would you want to play Zelda when it's like in 900p and and Horizon is in 4K and it's like pretty much the same game? Like, Horizon is a great game. Don't get me wrong. Horizon is in its own self a very special game that people should play if they have a PS4. That game is ridiculous. But they are like apples and oranges. You cannot compare them. Just because they're open world, Zelda is not going to be like GTA and uh, vice versa. And just because Zelda may not be like the highest quality... You know, the art style and the way Nintendo designed their things is always in a very special way that is unique to them. So people complain about the silliest things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just, well, I, you know, I, I, I am somebody, I will, if there's if there's two versions of, of the same game on offer and one of them has higher resolution or better frame rate, I will go for that version. I mean, you that know, makes sense, I'm a multi-format sense, gamer. Right? However, you don't I do not it, yeah. judge... No, exactly. I don't judge games by their pixel density. Otherwise, I would not still be enjoying arcade games from the eighties like I do. You know, yeah. so or like uh, playing three DS games regularly like I do. It's well, like... exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's in- insane. And and fortunately, I think for the most part, with 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 sound of play and Kane and Rince, we're we're preaching to the choir on this. But uh, yeah, there's some there's some very confused people out there, <laughs> some very unhappy people. Can I just say, uh, um, well, before we move off on Zelda, I'm so happy actually that you. Like I would listen back to this episode anyway, but like now I have a reason because I absolutely agree. I am obsessed with that music. I love the trailer music so much. I think it's beautiful and the way the piano builds up towards the end and it becomes incredibly exciting and like it's mm. almost weirdly mysterious. And um, I absolutely love that track a lot. I hope mm. it is in the final game um, mm. because I want to listen to it a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, so listeners will know, Kane and Rince listeners and Sound of Play listeners, that we have been covering the entire The Legend of Zelda series. We started with the original The Legend of Zelda back in issue 201 of the Kane and Rince podcast. We've done every single game. We only have a link between worlds to go. The original plan was to have them all done and then do Breath of the Wild, but uh, but that didn't happen because delays but uh, that's fine we'll do breath of the wild in the future but yes so we have 15 zelda podcasts for your listening pleasure uh, if you check out our back catalog excellent um, yeah uh, now uh, you and i and leah also of sound of play and kane and rinse uh, we all contributed to a piece on the lacedwithwax.com laced records blog uh, yes. as requested by thomas quillfelt um, yeah, so uh, without without giving it all away, um, this is a uh, this is a piece where Thomas asked us to basically say our sort of give our favourite 
in-game moments where where music was like the most important thing or the thing that was the most striking about a particular sequence. So we've got some, uh, there's some Zelda in there, Ocarina of Time, there's some Final Fantasy. I've I've gone for a bit of res. And uh, what did you go for? I went for the first track I chose today, which was Megalovania, Megalovania. from yeah. Undertale. Yeah. Absolutely. Why not? I thought maybe like, oh, here we go. Here's a track. No one will save it. <laughs> Everyone knows that soundtrack now. <laughs> That's cool. So, yeah, check that out. Um, lacewithwax.com, uh, favorite game music moments. Uh, well worth the read. It also, also features Thomas himself, who is a former Sound of Play guest, and Andy Corrigan, a contributor to IGN Australia, also a former guest on here. And also, while we're with Laced Records, and we're not under any, uh, there's no contractual relationship here, but I just wanted to mention now we're doing video game news that you can now pre-order the ukulele ost from laced records you can order it on digital or cd or vinyl it's the most uh, sumptuous multicolored gatefold thing you will ever see the record labels have googly eyes on um and obviously the the music is from the likes of grant Kirkhope and david wise and therefore uh, it is, yeah, like everything about ukulele, it is a spiritual successor to the rare N64 days. So, um, yeah, music fans, definitely I, I check did, that out. I did nearly choose some Banjo-Kazooie music for today's show. Oh, I, lovely. I thought, but that might have been done so much because Grant's music is just some of the best, truly the best. So I'm super excited to hear the ukulele soundtrack. Yeah, uh, hopefully you'll get... Grant Kirkhope on here at some point and uh, and have him pick his I, own. I want, I want him on Final Games as well. <laughs> of course, really well, if, <laughs> if you get hold of him, uh, let us know. Yeah. Vice versa, same. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have because we have Darren in our in our ranks, uh, who was a, a rare rare QA person back in the early two thousands. Worked on Saber Wolf on a GBA and grabbed by the Ghoulies and stuff. So we have a few Excellent. little rare rare uh, connections there. Now, listeners, please remember to continue to venture over to the forum at canerince.com slash forum, or you can do it on Twitter. Follow us at canerince. You could even do it on the Facebook page if you want. You can request your favourites or curios and oddities, things that will make us laugh, smile, or provide an interesting story. We'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for each regular Sound of Play. Please do subscribe to sound a play um, and if you can do leave us an iTunes review or rating because it helps uh, at least as much as downloads in terms of visibility on the iTunes store we also if you care to donate have a Patreon patreon.com slash and you can give us a dollar a month or whatever you think whatever you can afford towards all the podcasts that we do we do 50 Cane and Rinse podcasts a year and I guess 52 probably sound of play podcasts a year uh, and it all takes a lot of time and all the money we receive is plowed back into hosting fees and our time and various other ways hardware software etc 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 so it's all incredibly gratefully received so before we hear about your final track i want to thank you liam for joining me it's been a lot of fun it's been a pleasure about games it's been an absolute pleasure. I love talking about video game music as much as I love talking about video games. For those uh, listeners to Sound of Play who aren't aware, uh, where can people find you and your 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 stuff, your thing, your uh, baby? 
Uh, so my baby is a show called Final Games. It's a podcast um, where I get people from all across the video games industry, as I mentioned earlier. Um, we've had amazing people like Derek Yu and Daniel Dwyer and Pesh Schneider and some wonderful people. Um, and basically what I do is I do a horrible thing where I strand them on a deserted island or a deserted place from video games uh, that they get to choose. So we've had incredible places like yeah, Outside Island from The Wind Waker or The Island from The Witness and just some weird places too. Uh, I strand them on a deserted island and I allow them to take eight games with them that they have to choose to play for the rest of their days on the island. Uh, and that question alone brings up so many different games and based on nostalgia and practicality. Uh, but yeah, they only get eight games and we talk about why they've chosen those eight games and what those eight games mean to them. And uh, it's a, it's a good, a good time. It's also uh, a show that shares something in common with our main podcast and this one as well, which is that it doesn't age or date in quite the same way as uh, a regular kind of, you know, magazine. It absolutely show. does not. Yeah, it's uh, you can pretty much listen to any episode at any time. Um, we sometimes talk about new games like The Witcher 3 and uh, Dark Souls and Bloodborne have yeah. appeared a lot. Um, but you and know, they might not in the future or I think Dark yeah. Souls always will. But, you know, yeah. The Witcher may get eclipsed or something someday. But yeah, uh, it's so it, it's time sensitive in that regard. But actually... I imagine for, for many, many years, people will want to take The Witcher 3 away with them because it's so huge. <laughs> it's and massive. So epic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fantastic stuff. So uh, normally or regularly when somebody picks a Final Fantasy track, we're expecting to hear from Nobuo Uematsu. <laughs> but not this time. We have the uh, the slightly less well-known Masashi Hamauzu. So uh, this is from Final Fantasy 13, which is also a less rare, uh, a less common pick, I should say, from, from the Final Fantasy canon. So uh, are you a rare... Uh, uh, apologist? I hate using that term because no, there's dude. no, there's nothing no, to apologise no, for. I but... don't like Final Fantasy thirteen at all. Okay, <laughs> nobody likes it. <laughs> That's not true. Some my, people really my, do. One of my best friends, actually, he really likes it. He, uh, he is a Final yeah. Fantasy thirteen apologist, and I don't, I don't understand why. <laughs> so, but you like this track? I do. And um, so, one of the things I do like about Final Fantasy thirteen is the soundtrack. And mm. um, I've. Like many of your listeners will have, last year, the tail end of last year, I was playing Final Fantasy XV, um, which also has a great soundtrack, and I was debating picking some songs uh, from that game. Um, but, uh, you know, you must have heard the same Final Fantasy VII, uh, Umatsu's stuff from seven and eight and sure. nine, and obviously six before that, like, uh, you know... Kefka's theme, Dancing Mad, is one of my favorite soundtrack, uh, favorite songs ever. And mm. I just wanted to do a, something a little different from Final Fantasy because I think Final Fantasy has some of the best music ever. And I'm probably one of the only people who actually does like this soundtrack. And surprisingly enough, when I was playing 15, because uh, you can have the in-car the in -car radio, so when you're driving the yeah, Regalia, right. you can change the tracks. Uh, this is the track I always played when I was driving. Wow, okay. So, it's called The Promise. It's the intro title from Final Fantasy XIII. We'll play out with that. And, uh, well, thanks once again, Liam. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. We'll have to get you on the other podcast at some point. We'll, uh, oh, that we'll would be establish... awesome. I love the idea of, like, a book club for video games where we play all play the game and uh, then talk about it. Like, that is such a good idea. And I've listened to a lot of Kingdom Hearts. It's such a good show. So, that would be so, so good. <laughs> Thank you. We'll definitely make it happen. All right. Until next time, this is uh, The Promise.